we do, family included, that have passed on into judgment. We know some, you know, are on that precipice of it. But the Lord granted us another opportunity to be here today. I know we all say that and we, we get really desensitized to it because we say it so repetitively until it hits close to home. Or we're laying someplace and it's now their stand I or their lie I. But why wait until then? You know, why not say, Lord, thank you for today? Because tomorrow might not be that way. Some of us go to sleep in agony and then we wake up in the same way. But we sleep in peace and we wake up in agony. So I was trained many, many years ago, you know, by my bishop. <clears throat> and she used to always say, give people their flowers while they live. Give them their flowers while they live. Why wait until they pass for you to tell them how well you thought of them? The dead tell no story, right? So give it to them now. David said that there is no praise of you, Lord, in the grave. I can't praise you in the grave, Lord. I can't praise you there. So we sing that song because of I do, and we now sing it with, with our people congregationally, you know, as that mantra, just to say, Lord, I'm thankful to be in your service. So, oh, I'm sorry. Switch. I know we all come up here with one thing, right? And then the Lord says, okay. I'm glad you did that. However, <laughs> however, I got something, uh, something else, you know, in store for you. But we'll use the same, we'll use the same passage, nonetheless, nonetheless. And it was coming from uh, Exodus, the 13th chapter, and, uh, 17th through the 18th verse. The message was uh, the process, the process. In the midst of the process, we all have to go to the wilderness. We all have to go to the wilderness. And it came to pass, this is verse 17, uh, chapter 13 of Exodus. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them out, or led them not, rather, through the way of the land of the Philistines. Although that was what? It was near. So it was closer to them. For God said, lest preadventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. So God led them to to the wilderness. To the wilderness. Now I've said this many times before, you know, with our people have kind of you know beaten it up many times about what the wilderness represents. <clears throat> the wilderness represents a place of change. Okay? It's a distraction-free place. There's no cell phone reception in the wilderness. It doesn't happen there. There's no one bothering you in the wilderness. You know, there's no aunts and uncles to come over to your house in the wilderness. There's no uh, ESPN or Fox or CNN News. There's none of those distractions in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. It's just you and the Lord. It's a place where that the Lord can talk to you. 
It's a place where the Lord says, do I have your attention? Now, while we're in the wilderness, we're going to go through a process. You're going to go through a process. Everybody, saints, is either going to the wilderness, in the wilderness, or you're coming out of the wilderness. You're one of the three. We have to go there. My bishop used to always say to me, she said, Deacon Robinson, many years ago, she said, Deacon Robinson, if Jesus Christ had to bend his knees and pray, who in the world do you think you are? So I say to you, if Jesus Christ had to be led to the wilderness, who in the world do you think you are? We all have to go to the wilderness. Some of us are there now. Some of us are on our way out of the wilderness. And then now we're en route to the mountain to go up elevationally above sea level, which is another message in its entirety. But while we are going in the wilderness, there are some stages that we are going to go through. One of those stages, if you're writing this down, one of those, and these are the five stages here the Lord has for us for the process. The five stages of God's process. The first stage is the warning stage. The warning stage. The five stages of God's process. First stage is the warning stage. I got this a while ago. In the warning stage, if someone wants to very quickly go to Genesis, the 18th chapter, the 20th verse, Genesis 18 and 20, God gives a warning of impending danger to his messengers to deliver. So God tells his messengers, it's 18 and 20, God tells his messengers that, hey, go warn them of this impending danger. So God is not going to allow us to be ignorant to what's going on. He's going to let you know, hey, look, trouble's on the way, or there's some, there's some things going on that I need for you to, to take to take heed of. So, 18 and 20, if you're there, say, man, let me read it real quickly for you. And the Lord said, behold, I mean, because of the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because of their sin is very grievous. I will go down now, 21, and see whether they have done uh, altogether according to the cry of it which is come unto me. And if not, I will know. So the Lord here, as we know, this is when God sent his angels down to Abraham to go to uh, see if the breath of what had happened in Sodom and Gomorrah was really true. But God was giving them what first? A warning. I want to go down and see for myself. And then ultimately, what did he tell Lot? Hey, look, you need to get your stuff and go. He just didn't destroy him. He warned his people to let them know, hey, look, there's, there's, there's going to be judgment on this place. The second one is provision. Provision. The second stage of this is provision. If wrath is on the people, no provisions will be made. He is targeting a specific group. God will make provisions if it's on the land. God has 
poured his wrath on both people and land before. One of those references is Genesis, the 19th chapter, 24 through 25. to the right little bit there. And it reads, Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire, from the land out of the heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain of all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back, as we know from there, from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. So if God is going to pour wrath out on the land, God is going to make provisions for us. Look at what, what, is, uh, what it was with Joseph. He made provisions. Okay? So if it's on the land, if it's a famine, God will make provisions for his people. If it's on the people, then God is targeting a specific group, as we see here with Sodom and Gomorrah. There's no provisions for them because God was what? Specifically targeting them because of the sins. But he gave them a warning. He gave them a warning. The third stage is discipline. Discipline. That's going to be in Jeremiah 7. Chapter 7, verse 20 through 23. Jeremiah 7, 20 and 23. You get there before I can say amen. You can read that for me. Jeremiah 7, 20 and 23. Because we have erred in our ways. We have strayed off in our ways. 
So the first stage is warning in this process. The second is provisions. The third is discipline. The fourth is transformation. Transformation. The fourth stage God is doing in this process of us is to bring about transformation. That can be found in Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3. Jealousy or anything of that nature. 
it's the jealousy, or I think in the in us not acknowledging Him as our Lord and our Savior, our Creator. Why would you think so? It's like it's like your your or like with us now, me as a parent, my my son or my daughter, my children thanking Santa Claus for giving them toys. They kind of pissed you off, doesn't it? No, I bought that. <laughs> Santa Claus did not buy that. I worked hard for that. It gets to a point where you stop saying, okay, well look, man, this guy's not gonna take this. He's not gonna take my thunder, you know? So it's the same sort of acknowledgement. We know that, uh, you know, Santa Claus is not real. If not, I'm sorry, wherever this might go, you know, I hate to be the first person to let you know that. But anyway, God doesn't want anything or anyone to take, take that glory from him. He puts us through this path to get to that point right there. Acknowledgement. Now, while once again, I need to make it plain and clear that while you are in the wilderness, yes, it is going to seem very, very turbulent. It is. I would be a liar if I told you that it wouldn't be. The children of Israel were in the wilderness, as we know, for a very long time. Until the Lord said in Deuteronomy, the third chapter, which was a message, turn north. You've passed by this mountain long enough. Turn north. It seems like we keep going around in circles in our life. And we don't learn the lesson. Some of us stay in the wilderness for a long time, like the children of Israel, like the initial push that came out of Israel. I mean, out of Egypt. They didn't go into the promised land. Their children did. And that's sad to be in that state so long that you miss the promised land because of your refusal to learn. I think we all need to be in a state of flux. We all need to be in a state of learning. Never get to a place where you feel like you have obtained or arrived. That's a sad state. Paul said we see through a glass, what, dimly? If he said that, then who are you? The other thing I want to give to you, saints, you know, in our closing, is potential versus experience. Potential versus experience. As you're going through this wilderness experience or process, God is building up your experience. However, he brought you there to the wilderness because of your potential. He brought you there because of your potential. You have the potential to succeed. You have the potential to go higher and to do more. Potential means possibility. Experience means skill. Remember David? David had what? Potential. He didn't have skill. He was a shepherd. Paul, I mean, Saul even gave him his armor. But he said, I haven't proven this armor. Meaning that I've never worked with this. I don't have the experience to do to, to handle this. So he shedded it. He let it go. And he just took what? Some stones he got out of a, out of a brook, smooth stones, and his slingshot. He went on potential. Now here's the king gave him his armor to go fight somebody that what you would think the king would fight or his men, but none of them did it. They all had what? Experience. 
But here was a man that had potential. God will always, always, always choose potential over experience. Because God doesn't want you to say, you did it. Your experience got you there. How many times have you heard preachers, bishops, and everybody, I've been preaching for 15 years, for 30,000 years, right? You remember when Paul got saved? It's only what, three days, right? And he went straightway and went out and preached the gospel. He didn't know anything about Jesus Christ other than he wanted to crucify the people that believed in him. But he went straightway and he preached the gospel. The only thing he knew was the law. Did he have experience? He had experience in the law. He didn't have experience in Jesus Christ. He did once he seen or he, he came in touch with them on Damascus. Now why am I saying that? It's because don't discount that. I'm not saying that experience doesn't matter. That you don't need experience. Or that you don't need an education and so forth. I've been to seminary school. I'm not saying that. I'm not discounting that. But what I am saying is that that shouldn't precede you. Allow the Lord to do that. You bring character to the position. Through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, saints. God will always do that. Look at Gideon. Right? That's a new... No, no, let them go. Let him go. I think like 23 or 32,000. He got down to, we know what, the 300. Why? And God told him specifically. Because I don't want you to say that your numbers is what did it. So was that experience or was that potential? It was potential. The experience would have been the numbers. God will always work in the minority. So when you're going through this process, it's for a reason. God doesn't send anyone to the wilderness. Well, I just want you to hang out there. No, because it is a process. It's a refining process. And you're going to go through those stages. Sometimes we'll get up above sea level and then we get to the peak of the mountain and then we're going down and we think we're ready to hit the promised land. You're just going to a different set of the, of the land and you're probably going to hit another wilderness experience. But that's okay, because once, remember, once you are out of the wilderness, you have to go above sea level. Now, let me show you the reason that you went there. You see? You're going through this experience to get to the peak of the mountain, the above elevation. And then once God got what? Moses there. Remember, the children went through the, the wilderness. They went through the famine, a little bit of that. God gave them what? The manna. They went through the snakes, getting bit by the vipers, and God... Told Moses who commissioned him to put the snake on the staff, right? So he made the provisions. Okay, they wanted meat, so God gave them what? The quail. They were just yeah. bursting out of everything. They wanted water. So, so God gave them the provisions. Okay? They tried to correct the behavior. And they said, okay, we got them out of the wilderness. I think they're okay. Now, Moses, come on up here. Let me show you, okay, above sea level, what's going on. And now he was able to see from an elevated view, okay, what was happening. And that still wasn't, but it still wasn't good enough. So the process, we have to trust, we have to trust the process. Amen. 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 Maybe stand.